Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Welcome to the basement, my friends. Glad to have you here. Is the NFL schedule release a top 10 day in the NFL or really American sports calendar? Is it? Can we get it into the top 10 of days in American sports? The schedule release. The release of a schedule that will not be played out for months. It's just a piece of paper with little three-letter initials for cities on it and little at symbols. Is that one of the best days in sports? I think it might be. I'm going to tell you something I love about it. I'm going to tell you something I hate about it. And you know what I love? You guys cannot get enough talking about youth sports and which is the most difficult to sit through. We're doing a sequel segment to yesterday because we got so many contributions of people wanting to contribute and say, no, 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 this sport is the worst. Have I told you about gymnastics? Have I told you about orchestra concert? That's not a sporting event. It's, it's something you attend. It's not a sporting event. Plus, your voicemails. Big show for you guys today. Big show for you guys. We have Family Confessional, which you come in and purge your sins of the terrible, unforgivable things you have done as a husband, father, mother, daughter, sister, brother, whatever it may be. I'll start, though. I'll start with what I love, what I hate, and what is hilarious. Showtime. Not to brag here off the top, but I was once uh, privileged to have a conversation with the most powerful man in sports, Roger Goodell. And this is not on the air, this is in private, and we were just kind of just talking, shooting the breeze about the NFL and this, the NFL calendar throughout the year. And we were talking about how could they possibly choose something and make it bigger and better and more popular, kind of like they have with the draft. And my suggestion was... I actually think we could do more with the schedule release. And he's like, really? Well, you know, we do this big show. And I'm like, I know, but I think it could go bigger. I think there's a hunger there and a thirst there. And we're sitting here in the middle of May and we haven't had football for over three months. And we're not going to have it for another four months. And you could just do anything and people will tune in for it. Massive, massive ratings for the draft. And you may say the draft is the draft. It's real players going into the league. I think he can go big in the schedule release. And I predict, not based on our conversation, but just my own intuition. I think five years from now, the NFL schedule release will be nearly as big of a production as the NFL draft. I think there'll be a massive live event with musical acts, fans, celebrities, and I think that they will announce it and unveil the schedule just nearly in the same kind of ballpark of stature as the NFL draft. I think it's going to get that big. That is the, if you ever want to explain to someone, to your kids or just someone at work, someone you're talking to, How big is the NFL? How popular is it? Just the schedule of games for the NFL is bigger than the championship games in most other sports. Just a piece of paper with the schedule, Indianapolis at T-E-N, B-A-L at C-I-N. It's gold. It's it's better than the game. It's not just better than the games. It's better than the playoff games. It's bigger, more more popular, more reactive than some of the championship games of other sports. So I'm not even joking. Is the NFL schedule release, which is going to be in a couple days on Thursday, is it a top 10 sports day in America in 2023? Let's just put that out there. So let's say we have our top 10, and at least half of them are NFL. So you have Super Bowl Sunday, uh, opening NFL weekend, and then let's just give it the wild card, divisional, and title game round. That's an even five right there. 
which means there's only five slots left for the rest of all of American professional sports for what is the biggest. Let's say, okay. Masters Sunday is a pretty big deal. That gets one spot. There's only four left. And remember, I might be saving one for schedule release. There's only three left. Um, <laughs> my mind goes to WrestleMania for one of them. But let's just set that aside. We got four spots left. Let's just say one day goes to NBA Finals, especially this year, even the, because the NBA seems to be very exciting this year in particular. And I know it lasts a couple of weeks, but let's just set aside it as an event. NBA Finals gets a spot. Now there's three spots left. Does World Series get a spot? The Stanley Cup playoffs get a spot. I, I don't think they do. No, do. no disrespect. I love baseball. I really enjoy hockey. But this is 2023. So I'm going to give it to um, March Madness. March Madness opening weekend, I think, gets it. That gets a spot. So now we only have two left. Um, <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give one to the... Those UFC events are really big. Do I have to give it to some Logan Paul fight before I tip the cap to America's pastime in baseball? Um, I'll, I'll give it, I'll just, I'll give it to the World Series just out of love and the nostalgia. And then the last spot I'm giving to the NFL schedule release. That means that hockey loses out, um, tennis, Wimbledon, all those classic things. Probably the Formula One events are pretty big, but most of them are not in the United States. You get what I'm saying. I think the NFL schedule release, it's not like not my personal favorite. I just see it as what gets the most reaction, buzz, attention, even sometimes disdain or adoration, excitement. It's a really special day because you see down on paper what you already know. You already know what teams, your, your favorite team's gonna play. And yet still, it's still, it's just the order in which they play them and inexplicably, the time slot in which they play them is so exciting. Wow, I knew we were playing the Broncos this year, but I didn't know we'd be playing them at four o'clock on Sunday instead of one o'clock. Whoa! And it, I'm mocking it, but you do feel it. And it's that great thing where the old-fashioned way to do it is, here comes my 2023 schedule for my Rams. And you print it out and you take one green highlighter and one red highlighter. And the green one you see as wins and the red ones you're going to concede as losses. And as we'll get into when we get a little bit closer, for some reason all roads always lead to 10 wins. For whatever team prognostication you have, you always find a way to get to 10 wins. Just the way it usually lands. Uh, it's really fun. I'm, I'm poking fun and... You have to, because it's not even a game or even some semblance of a game. It's just a, a press release, effectively, but it feels like there should be some sort of grand halftime show and a radio row and pay-per-view, and it's just great. Here's what I'm looking forward to, genuinely. I have this broken up in the divisions of the games that I want to see, that I'm interested in when they are, how they are, what time they are. Up top, it's the Chiefs division of games. Chiefs division, that means... I'm not talking about the AFC West. I'm talking about this weight class right here. We're going to get Eagles-Chiefs, which is immediately beautiful. 38-35 in the Super Bowl. Eagles-Chiefs. We're going to get Bengals-Chiefs, which is spicy as all hell. Remember Burrowhead Stadium? And that game got really weird at the end, and the Chiefs won, but it was bizarre. And then you got Bills-Chiefs. Let's just do it one more time. Let's keep on doing Joss versus Patrick. And all the Andy Reid versus McDermott, all the great rivalry we've established over the last four or five years. So that's just the Chiefs division. 
Chiefs Eagles, Chiefs Bengals, Chiefs Bills. Level two, a couple other like kind of intercontinental champ level type things. Um, 49ers Eagles. A replay of the NFC title game that we thought we were going to get, which I really don't think we got. It was the strangest football game I've ever seen in my life. Debo was uh, grouchy about it this week, saying we lost 11-10. to Let's settle that one. Let's have a healthy quarterback. I don't care if it's Lance, Purdy, whoever it is. Get some warm, upright body there to go against the Philadelphia Eagles. We'd like to see that. We got so robbed in that game. Other game in level two, Bills Bengals. Bills Bengals uh, rematch of the last Bills game that was played at Buffalo or anywhere. I was there. The Bengals went down the field and scored. The Bills had a three and out. The Bengals went down the field and scored. The Bills had another three and out. And the game was over. It was a strange, strange, flat, bizarre day. And we've spent the last few months wondering if maybe the Bills' emotional toll caught up with them or maybe the Bengals just that much better. That's level two. Level three, the Rodgers division. All right? Jets, Bills. Let's rock and roll. Aaron Rodgers comes into the AFC East. He goes against a guy he's very friendly with, a golf partner in Josh Allen, and not just as this one-off. If Aaron Rodgers is there two years, they're going to play each other four times in that division. They may meet again in the playoffs. We have no idea. It's a big deal when the four-time MVP moves into what was once the most top-heavy division in all of football and has now has gotten really good much faster than we thought. Jets-Bills. Another one. Jets-Eagles. The Rodgers division. Let's have Rodgers go up against one of the most impressive NFC champions in years. This is a guy who spent 18 years in the NFC. He's played the Eagles a whole bunch of times. That's going to be a test. Is this Jets-Rodgers thing going to be a thing? Is it a novelty? Is it paper thin? Is it going to come crashing down? Go against a completely loaded turnkey Eagles team. AFC-NFC division there. I like Jets-Eagles. Next. This is an interesting one. The Lawrence division. Trevor Lawrence. Is he going to be a superstar? Is he going to be a top-tier guy? I drew his attention myself last week by putting him way, way down in the tiers of AFC quarterbacks. Jaguars fans got mad, ex-players got mad, current players got mad, and Trevor Lawrence broke character tweeting in response to me that games aren't played on paper. We've talked about it a little bit. So you know where they're played? They're played on the field. In which Trevor Lawrence will go against Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes. Yes, sir. Jags-Bills, Jags-Bengals, Jags-Chiefs. Trev, go get them, buddy. You get two out of three of those, we got a star in the making. You get three out of three of those, we have a Super Bowl team in the making. But don't tell me that they're playing on, on the field instead of paper and then go on the field and lose to all those guys. Because those are your peers for the rest of your career. You play a 10, 12-year career, 15 years, oh my God, we'd be lucky to have you. Those guys are just going to be sitting there waiting for you. I'm not even mentioning Herbert and Lamar and all those other maniacs in the AFC. Trevor Lawrence, it would be very cool if you were very, very, very good. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. Go beat them. Games aren't played on the field, like you said. Go win on the field. And lastly, grab bag. Grab bag of the games looking forward to Thursday night. Random ones. Texans-Panthers? Sounds horrible. Absolutely disgusting game on paper. Ah! We have the number one overall pick in Bryce Young, number two overall pick in C.J. Stroud. It's kind of cool. I mean, that happens sometimes. Like I remember early on when Jameis went against Mariota. Crazy to think that that was the number one, number two overall pick. But they did, right out of the gates. I like Texans and Panthers. I want to watch that. Uh, Bengals, I already mentioned the Jaguars stuff. Bengals, Jaguars. Here's my game that I want. Patriots at Raiders. Why do I want Patriots at Raiders? Tuck rule game, all that stuff? No. Jacoby Myers faces his old team, the Patriots, with his new team, the Raiders. And this is the guy who threw 
the worst lateral of all time, one of the most inexplicable, head-scratching, hilarious plays of all time, in which he lateraled the back across the field directly into the hands of Chandler Jones, who is now his teammate, who stiff-armed Mac Jones, who is now Jacoby's ex-teammate. Let's see if he's got it. Imagine if the Raiders need a play at the end of that game against the Patriots, and Jacoby is out there, and they start doing the, the lateral thing. Does Jacoby have to get ripped off the field, or does he, does he kept on the field? Does he kept on the field for his expertise? What if Jacoby Myers has the ball at the end of that game down five or tied as it was in that situation against the Patriots and he starts laddling around and he throws a backwards lateral to Matthew Judon who takes it and returns it for a touchdown. The world will explode. I'll be here for it. That's my grab bag division. Guys, good games. They're coming soon. It's one of the biggest days in American sports and it is a piece of paper. Get your highlighters ready. I love the schedule release. But there is one thing that will come after the schedule release that drives me crazy and that's what I hate. All right, so there's a lot of little little uh, little treats and candies and stuff that comes up in the NFL media that get picked on, and then I like to stand up for. I like power rankings. I think they're fun. And we talked last week about I get a pleasure out of draft grades. Nonsense? Sure. Going to be completely wrong years from now, if not months from now? Absolutely, but I stick up for them. There's one thing I do not stick up for, and you're going to see this Friday morning when the schedule comes out on Thursday night, you're going to see all sorts of columns and tweets and posts about who has the hardest schedule and how it lines up and who has the easiest schedule and how it lines up. And, oh, that's going to be a very difficult December because look at these teams they have to play. And you're going to see early on in, in September, I, I don't see how they get a win in September. They could be looking at an 0-4 start here. How do you know? Because last year, the teams you're talking about them playing were good or were in the wild card round. It changes every single year. I hate the immediate record predictions. They do this segment on every network, including the ones I work for, where they're like, well, all right now, we got the Buffalo Bills schedule. Here they are, all 17 games. Let's just put them up and let's have so-and-so go through and say, well, this is a win, this is a loss, this is a win. Is there a worse segment in TV? Honestly, it's just talking completely out of your backside with the two seconds of analysis for each pick. A lot of like weird jokes put in about your biases and you get to, so there it is. I got him at 14 and three. I've been asked to do that segment before and I've respectfully declined. Here's why I don't like it. Last year, examples, 2022 season going in. NBC Sports, which I respect. They had the four easiest schedules are the four NFC East teams. Why? Because the NFC East is going to be so bad and they'll cannibalize each other and these guys have it so easy. Well, the problem with that is that three of the four teams made the playoffs and they were really good. And one of them was exceptionally good in Philadelphia and Dallas was good and the Giants were good. So your whole thing about they have the easiest schedule because they're going to suck was just so wrong, dead wrong. It wasn't just NBC Sports. CBS Sports, for which I am an employee, they said last year, the Colts have the easiest schedule in the league. They got Matt Ryan now, and it's going to be great. The Indianapolis Colts. Reasons why? Well, they play the crappy NFC East. They play the Vikings, and they play the Steelers. The Vikings and Steelers are going to have weak seasons. Well, the Vikings had incredible wins and a massive win total and managed to win every single close game they were in. The Steelers, despite this terrible down year, were 9-8 and eight and nearly made the playoffs. So CBS Sports was wrong. Don't pay attention to any of these. 
NFL Network, not to brag, another network that I'm an employee of. I'm just saying that for the sake of putting it out there so you know I have credibility. They said, oh, well, the Pittsburgh Steelers have the toughest schedule when the 2022 schedule came out. Why? Well, look at that terrible final stretch in December. If they're looking to make a playoff push, I just don't think they can put up with Raiders, Ravens, and Browns. This is released by NFL Network in the brains and personality which, which I work within said, no way, there were no way the Steelers are going to make this, the, the playoffs. They got to finish with Raiders, Ravens, and Browns. First of all, the Steelers went 3-0 and against those teams with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of injuries. Also, that's them saying, I think the Raiders, Ravens, and Browns are going to be great in December. What do you know? This came out in May. You're talking about seven months from now. It's so dumb. They got to put content out there. You got to get clicks. I get it. It's one of my least favorite types of content because often, really almost exclusively, strength of schedule projections and grades and A pluses and all these promises and prophecies, they're based on the previous season's playoff teams. So you say, okay, 17 games. And well, wow, nine of those 17 are against playoff teams from last year. So you're screwed. The problem is, is the playoff teams have massive turnover year in, year out in terms of who makes them. Point being, 2021 playoff teams, you got a whole bunch of them, half of them from two years ago, half, didn't make the playoffs last year. So just cut it in half. And when those playoff predictions and schedule difficulties came out, they were using the 2021 playoff teams, just because that's all you have to go on, and then whoosh, take a machete, cut it in half, totally useless because half of those didn't even make the playoffs. So on Friday morning or even Thursday night, when your team schedule comes out and you're feeling all excited and you got your highlighters and you think they're going to get 10 wins, maybe 11, who knows? Just chill when you see these columns saying, oh man, this Seahawks schedule is the number one most difficult in the league. Shut up. That is lame. You know it's lame. You know it's fake. You know it's based on nothing. You're just putting chum in the water to try to get the sharks to bite it. And they always will. But I'm trying to tell the Sharks, just relax. Go, swim away. Your team's going to be fine. Wait till September. Don't look schedule difficulty. It's nonsense. I hate it. But here's what I find hilarious. You guys can't stop talking about youth sports, and which is the most difficult to endure. Let's see if we can get some more clarity on that topic with what's hilarious. All right, Family Confessional is coming up shortly, so just stay with us. We are a few minutes away from your voicemails, and I heard we got some whoppers today of people doing things they need to purge and tell the Kyle Brandt's basement answering machine what they did. But in the meantime, the rare sequel segment. Yesterday, I was talking about we're in the throes of the spring youth sports season, so whether that's lacrosse or field hockey or uh, swimming or baseball or baseball or baseball and so much baseball... Which, it's difficult as a parent. It is really a relentless task to get your kids to and from these things in the right uniform with the right meal and the right blah, blah, blah. And we started talking. And we said, there's a lot of different sports being played right now. It's just a ton. It's this whole traffic accident of sports all in one intersection. What's the worst one to go to? What is the worst one to sit there in the little metal bleacher stand or in your folding chair if you bring one of those or in the car in the parking lot as you watch through the windshield and you know try to look up from your phone occasionally and see the kids play. what's the worst one and we had a lot of takes yesterday a lot um i, I currently am coaching a couple different ones and i have coached a couple different ones right now specifically the headline here is 
I am coaching kid pitch baseball that is comprised of seven, eight, and nine-year-olds, kind of a little mash together, and it is rough. It is really rough. We talked about this yesterday. The only thing that breaks up all the walks is the kids who get hit by pitches. And uh, we, we had Jacob Hester tweet in yesterday, who's this LSU legend, he's with the Chargers for a long time, that in the first year of kid pitch, a kid getting a foul ball feels like a game seven grand slam walk-off style. It is so exciting. It is a tedious, difficult game in which it is, the pitching is so bad and it's just rough. It's rough. So we got a lot of that. But what I'm interested in is a variety that came in. Some sports that I don't know, let alone coach, and you might feel the same. Let's go to the social. I had people at work today, a security guard run where I worked pulled me aside. He's like, man, I heard what you're saying. And he went in this whole diatribe about youth sports and which is the worst. This tweet comes from Laura. Laura has a take here I think is fascinating. When asked what is the worst youth sport to sit through or endure, she says, any sport that is a meet, M-E-E-T, is the worst. Meaning swim meet, track meet, gymnastics meet, etc. It's a great take. There's going to a game, and then there's going to a meet. A game is two teams, and they play for a finite amount of time, and one, there's one winner. A meet is 600 children doing one sport glacially. One after another after another. You know who the bastard wicked cousin of the meet is? The tournament. <laughs> you are in for a long day and maybe a long night. Swim meets have been to a lot. Track meets have been to a lot. Gymnastics meets, not yet, but my six-year-old is doing gymnastics, and I feel like they're in my future. Great take. Never mind whatever sport it is, just anyone that has a meet is worse. Michael contributes. Interesting. This surprises me. He says, youth hockey is by far and away the best. I have come to learn in my life here as a parent that there are youth sports parents, of which I am one, and then there's hockey parents, and they are a totally different class. Hockey parents will tell you tales of getting up at 4 a.m., not exaggerating, and driving 90 minutes to some rink with 50 pounds of pads and bags and skates and then staying there for 16 hours only to drive back and do it the next morning. Hockey parents have seen things, man. Man, they've seen things they can't unsee. They, they feel like uh, McConaughey in True Detective, like he's sitting there making little figures out of Lone Star beer cans. They have been places that I will never go. I'm not a hockey parent, never played hockey. But they will sit you down. When you say, oh yeah, you got any sports this weekend? They're gonna like, I'm going to need a drink first before we talk about that. They are so hardcore and they go to this dark, devoted place that I think trumps going to a local basketball game for your kid by a thousand. So I'm surprised to hear you say it's the best. I've heard it's the worst, but maybe it's you're just proud of being part of that tribe of youth hockey parents. I'll never be part of that. I'm almost actually kind of afraid of those parents. You have my respect and a little bit of my fear. Next, worst or best youth sport to endure? Michael says... Some people are overlooking seven to eight-year-old basketball as the worst. Interesting. Once you get over the hump, he says, and every kid can dribble and understands the game, it's so much fun, but it's brutal before then. Well, I would say the same for most sports. Um, here's what you have going for you in basketball. It's inside. It's a controlled atmosphere. It's in some sort of gym. You're not freezing. It's in the middle of winter. Look, 
Find me a seven-year-old team sport that is not tedious. You know, soccer is kind of cute because they run around this little hive together all kicking the ball. Baseball, I already mentioned, absolutely brutal. Basketball, brutal. The, the kids travel. They play in the miniature hoops. They can't get it up there. They're fouling each other. It, it is rough. It is rough. Um, but again, as far as a start-to-front parental experience, inside, warm, kind of the lights, the ball bouncing. It's okay. I don't think basketball is that bad as far as what I've done. Next. Respect the tweet, though, Michael. Next. This guy calls himself Inglorious Dadster. All right, he says, best youth sports, summer swim relays. Okay. He goes on to say, food and drinks by the pool in the summer, evenings, in the summer evenings, while your kid races and everyone is cheering. You know, the swim meets took a lot of crap yesterday because he says you look at the event schedule and your kid is in event six and event 88. I think this guy's distinguishing from going to some pool that stinks of chlorine in the middle of the winter somewhere and watching 3,000 events with being at some sort of local swim club or something and being able to get drinks and mozzarella sticks and you don't care when your kid swims, you'll wait and watch them. He goes on, youth lacrosse, he likes youth lacrosse, has the pace of soccer plus light contact and kids swinging sticks and way more scoring. I have to tell you, um, I have never been a lacrosse dad. My six-year-old plays now and we'll see if she continues to, but I'm getting a lot of love for youth lacrosse. Everybody says... It's finite. It ends relatively soon. There's some physicality that's fun to walk. The kids pick it up quick. It's not too advanced. It's outside. It's a nice time of year. So I'm hoping my daughter's six with lacrosse because you guys love going to lacrosse games. The sweet, sweet lax. He finishes worth you sport as baseball. We've covered that. Next, Enzo says, oh, interesting. See, this is what I'm talking about. Some variety. He says the worth you sport is volleyball. Especially tournaments where you can have five to six games going on simultaneously. That's five to six refs blowing that shrill whistle. Ah! He finishes, I can hear those whistles just by typing this. This tweet gives me anxiety. That sounds horrible. I don't like the sound of five to six shrill whistles all in one gym. Does volleyball really need a whistle? The point is over when the ball is out or when they can't get to it. What's the point of the whistle? I don't know. I don't have a lot of experience with volleyball coaching or playing, but I don't want five to six whistles inside a gym. Anne says, <laughs> Anne says, bless my daughter, love her to the moon, but gymnastics. The answer is gymnastics for the love of all that is holy. 30 seconds of her and then Siberia for hours. And that's an awesome tweet. I absolutely love that tweet. Siberia for hours is right. My six-year-old also plays gymnastics. I think I got some meets in my future. Uh, gymnastics is nerve-wracking because there's a lot of stress on the kid. Also, it's really high stakes. There's the injury risk and the injury rate in gymnastics is very, 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 very high. God dang, that just gave me some anxiety. Hey, at least you're not freezing at gymnastics. At least it's warm, right? Guys, great job. We did a sequel segment for youth sports. I have a feeling that will be a sort of evergreen topic throughout this show for weeks and months to come as we get through the spring and the summer. But here's something evergreen. You, me, we all really mess up badly in our family. We do stupid, regrettable things. And sometimes we call the basement and we talk about them on the answering machine. And sometimes we call that family confessional.
Okay, folks, so there's the deal. Right around the corner over there, we have an old-fashioned answering machine with some tape in it, and you call the number 2524-BRANT. 2524-BRANT. You can be anonymous, don't have to leave your name or anything, and just say, listen, I messed this up. I really, really, really messed this up. You know, we have Mother's Day coming up this weekend. Have you done anything? Have you had a Mother's Day where you totally messed up? I know I have. Have you done something as a son or a daughter or even a grandparent or anything where you're like, God, this is really embarrassing, and I totally blew it. Let me tell the basement and then I'll feel better. We have three people who have done exactly that and look who's first in. I've not heard any of these calls, but I know this number. DJ in Kansas City, a regular caller here. He's told us before how sometimes he will go to two fast food places in one outing and he doesn't like to go to concerts anymore. Too old. Says it's too loud and he has to go to the bathroom too much. So for Family Confessional, DJ in Kansas City, wash clean of your sins. Go ahead. Kyle. How's it going, DJ in Kansas City? Have a uh, woke up to an interesting scenario. I have a question for you, actually. Too uh, woke up this morning. My two little yeah. girls were crying because they think mommy and daddy are going to get divorced. Uh, really, because I snore too much. Because I'm fat, and my wife can't sleep. So, uh, yeah, started thinking about it a little bit more, and I divorced me. So maybe I should be worried. Curious if you, A1, have a CPAP machine I can rent or two. Got any room there in that basement for a roommate? See ya. Bye. DJ always cuts like a knife, doesn't he? What you're saying is very relatable. At some point in our lives, we just start snoring. I've started snoring recently, and I find snoring so completely odious and disgusting, and I just hate it so much. It's such a terrible sound. It's such a gross testable thing we do as human beings and we're in this period now where I'm not getting any younger and my wife will nudge me awake in the middle of the night and say babe roll over you're snoring and I'm I'm not I don't snore I don't snore I don't snore come on what are you talking about she takes videos of me now takes videos of me snoring and I'm snoring like a cartoon grizzly bear not some cute little it's, it's disgusting. Just disgusting. Ugh. So, uh, I don't have the CPAC thing. My, right now, if I turn on my side, apparently it stops. But a lot of times, when I've been drinking, I would be a fall asleep on my back, and it is <laughs> it's a cacophony of disgusting guttural sewer noises coming out of all of my uh, facial cavities. It's so bad. So, so, so bad. And I, I wouldn't, DJ, I hope it doesn't lead to divorce, especially with the two kids at home. But your kids can probably hear you snoring. It's terrible. You got to do something about that. Lay on your side, try to breathe right, try anything. I mean, it's snoring in your sleep is worse than flatulating in your sleep. I really do think it is. It's so bad. DJ, thank you for the call. We can always appreciate candid call from you. Let's go to North Carolina next. Um, and let's go to Dylan. Dylan, go ahead and confess uh, your uh, family sin. Um, about seven or eight years ago, you know, my son, he was about, he was three years old at the time. My wife constantly telling me, make sure you don't ever leave him in the car when you go in the store. I was coming home oh. late. He was with me and he's in the back seat snoozing, just snoring away. Got his favorite little blanket wrapped around him. Just crashed. I literally just need to walk up to the desk, grab this, and walk back out. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to leave them. Close the doors, lock the car, ran into the store. 
What I didn't know was that my wife was also running late that night. I came back out to the car, hopped in the car, and looked back to check my son. He's not in the car seat. His, his little blanket is sitting in the car seat, but he's not there. And so my heart drops. I'm, what, what, what's going on? Where's my, where's my child? What, oh my God. And the first thing I think is, oh my God, she, she tells me not to, she told me not to do this. Oh my God, what am I going to, oh my God. And then my phone starts ringing. And right away I knew, damn, she got me. She, she, she took his ass out of the car. Uh, where to go with that? Terrible story. Thank God it was a happy ending. Very vindictive thing of your wife to do. <laughs> was that entirely necessary? Couldn't she have just been waiting for you at the car when you got back so you wouldn't have the uh, icy hot panic of that your child has been abducted for about 30 seconds? Ay, yay, yay. First of all, She's right, you did mess up. And I know we talk ourselves into, well, he's sleeping, he's got his blanket, I just gotta run in there and, uh, you know, grab that six pack, or I mean those diapers. Um, uh, he'll be fine. I'll leave the AC on, of course. You know, you shouldn't do that. Don't do that, you know? We're all tempted. <sighs> what if something went wrong? It's just, don't do it, okay? We know that. The fact that your wife was, I thought this story was going to end with you come out of the store uh, with your scotch that you bought and your wife is standing there like drumming her fingers on the hood of the car and she's just like, you blah, 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 and fine. That's a pretty good story. Your wife caught you. You're telling me that your wife figured out what you were doing, saw the baby inside there, cursed you under her breath, used her separate key that she has for the same car, opened the car took the sleeping baby out, probably woke it up, and left the scene with the baby, you could have easily called it in an Amber Alert. Is there ever a time that both parents are wrong? Your wife should not have done that. And I know she called and everything, but what is the point of taking the baby and running? Terrible story. She should call. Whoever you are, Dylan in North Carolina, oh no, the last caller, what, what was his name? It's gone now. Um, whoever called last, oh, that is Dylan, okay. Dylan in North Carolina. I was thinking of DJ and KC. Dylan, whoever misses Dylan in North Carolina is, you should call and tell your side of the story. Because if you took the baby and ran off, that was pretty cold. I know he messed up, but that was a lot. That was a lot. Why not just slash his tires too, right? <laughs> of your own car. Um, you could have left a ransom note and cut out little pieces of a magazine and said that we want $20,000 for the baby back just to mess with him. Huh, huh. I wonder how that couple is doing at this point. It said it was seven, eight years ago at the time. I wonder if your 11-year-old kid now has any distant memory of that. We gotta move on. Last caller, my favorite kind, unidentified. Don't know the name, don't know the city, and that tells me that they might have deliberately not left their name. Final caller, unidentified city, name, topic. I've not heard this yet. I'll hear it with you for the first time. Welcome to the confessional. So we were in middle school in uh, PE class. And we were doing uh, calisthenics. And uh, this particular time, we were doing about about 40 of us were doing sit-ups. And uh, I accidentally farted very loudly. 
And the coach slash PE teacher stopped everyone and said, the young man who did that has to stand up and apologize. The guy next to me, who I wasn't friends with, looked at me as if, you know, saying, hey, you need to stand up and apologize. I looked at him and said, John, stand up and apologize. He had a look of shock and horror on his face. And I stuck with the with the, the the lie. Eventually, John had to stand up and apologize in front of forty other boys, and I've never forgotten about how embarrassed he was, and about how I shamed him into apologizing for my own unfortunate guess. Sorry, John. I'm sorry too, John. I also say I'm sorry to the Kyle Brand's basement audience for that call. I won't. Guy just thought he'd call in and tell a, a junior high PE class farting story. What kind of gym teacher was that? Who in has 40 kids, maybe 40 boys, I'm not sure, doing sit-ups. Somebody, you know, rips one, fine, they're kids. You have to get up and apologize? Imagine how stupid the apology would be for those other kids. Hi, I'm sorry that I farted. Is that what John said when he stood up? John probably didn't mind. John probably thought it was funny. John was probably glad to do that because it's going to further the joke and everyone would think John is a legend. What a weird gym teacher. I'm trying to think of the real villain in this story. or Not in the story, in the segment really. The whole expanded segment. Is it the wife who took the kid and freaked out the husband who went in to buy a, a bottle of vodka? Or is it the gym teacher who made the farting kid get up and apologize as if he had just busted them passing a note in English class? I don't know, as a gym teacher, don't you just expect at least one out of the 40 to flatulate when you're on the ground doing sit-ups? It's kind of what you do, I think. You're little kids. You can't wait to do it. It's probably after lunch. I don't, I don't, I don't think you have anything to confess for, sir, unidentified flatulator. That's just, that's just doing what kids do. I'd like the gym teacher to explain why he needs to shame the kid by getting up. And didn't even have the wrong kid. If you're going to shame a kid, at least identify the passer of said gas, as opposed to the other 30, 39, who denied supplying it. Sir, maybe you should apologize by the old rule of whoever smelt it, dealt it. Guys, that's been a, a really banner segment here. I'm sure the Omaha production brass is thrilled with the contribution from our last caller. Did you like that one? Gym class farting, kid left in the car, all kinds of stuff. And uh, the first caller of the snore, that one still gets me. That's the worst. Guys, that's family confessional. That was the real nitty gritty stuff. And I really mean that. I can't wait till we do that again. Until you can always call 252-4-BRANT. 252-4-BRANT. Call anytime. Morning, noon, and night, in the middle of the night. It's all the way down here in the basement. We can't hear the phone ring. We just let it go to the machine. Call, leave us a message. We do love you, and thank you for the messages. Let's go to Skycam. Let's end the show. We have to. That's the way we do it. We try to have it somewhat tight. This show's kind of long today. Let's go over here. There's the Skycam. I will go and take a dart. As you know, there's uh, 20 numbers around a conventional dartboard. We also have 20 topics that I have not seen, written, previewed, anything. And today's topic will be topic number 16 as I end the show with a little improvised ditty off the the hip with this uh 16 is favorite subject in school 
Well, I once had a uh, gym teacher who would uh, have us warm up by doing sit-ups. And I didn't like the sit-ups. So one time, you know, I had a bodily function and he heard it and he uh, said, whoever did that has to apologize. And I had my friend John and I just blamed it on John. Um, and it was really funny, but John got ashamed. So John didn't like Jim, but I always really did like Jim. Um, I remember I used to be asked that question when I was a little kid. Hey, when you talk to like one of your dad's friends or something, how's school going? Fine. What's your favorite subject? I would, I would always say Jim. Jim. I mean, listen, favorite subject in school, real, I don't know, creative writing, English, that type of stuff. But just Jim. And not just only for the conventional stuff like basketball and football outside. I really liked when we would be, get to be on scooters in gym class. I really liked floor hockey. I liked that a lot. I think floor hockey was one of the best things we did in the gym back in the 80s. And that's it. That's it. That's my answer to the question, topping number 16. Until then, um, I'll be back tomorrow, I promise. We're in the middle of the week here. Schedule release week. Don't worry about any of that strength and schedule BS at the end of this week. I've already covered that pretty thoroughly. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Please tell your friends, parents, uh, your milkman, your mailman. Like, subscribe, tweet, post, review, subscribe, subscribe, like, all that stuff. In the meantime, exit through the garage right over there, past the answering machine, close the door on your way out. See you tomorrow, guys.